in the name of the crucified Christ. Amen. Amen. Passover and Easter coincide this year. They don't always, but in 2020 they do. Since Passover came first, it seems only right to start there. Perhaps you know the story of the parting of the Red Sea. That's part of the Passover story. Maybe you read about that in the Bible or saw it in a movie. Hear the word Exodus, and that might be the image that leaps to mind. Or maybe you see Moses in your mind's eye holding two stone tablets etched by God with the Ten Commandments. But Passover didn't start there with those great cinematic moments. Passover started at night in thousands of poor homes in ancient Egypt where the Hebrew people and enslaved people were told to put a smear of blood on each of the two doorposts and on the lintel of the door. That blood was to come from an unblemished lamb, a lamb quickly eaten that night so that the members of the household would be ready to leave and leave quickly. But first, the blood on the doorposts. The blood was the sign so that when God rained down death on the firstborn of the Egyptians, God would pass over the houses of the Hebrews. Then, but only then, would they be ready to take off, leaving behind their slavery in Egypt as well as their familiar life. After that, we get the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments and 40 years in the wilderness and finally, the arrival into the Promised Land. Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem for Passover for the great festival. All the Gospels tell us so. Matthew, Mark, and Luke also tell us that Jesus and his disciples gather for a meal on the night before he's arrested. Christians call it the Last Supper because it was the last meal Jesus would share with them in his life on earth. But it was a Seder, the Passover meal. Funny though, John's Gospel doesn't have it. Passover, absolutely, but no Seder, no last meal. Then again, John's description of Jesus' arrest, Jesus' trial, and even Jesus' crucifixion doesn't seem much like what the other Gospels describe. Sure, the essential pieces are there, Jesus' arrest in the garden, the trial, if you can call it that, before the religious authorities, and then Jesus' encounter with Pontius Pilate. All of that's there, and the crucifixion itself, Rome's preferred means of torture, death, and political control, all rolled into one. Judas is there, and Peter too. But when John tells the story, it's not the same 
The scenes and the players are there, but agonies gone missing. Agonies gone missing. Jesus does not cry out from the cross. Jesus never says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says, it is finished, and gives up his spirit. In John's telling, Jesus clearly knows how the story ends, knows there is resurrection up ahead. Of course, we who are Christians know that too, don't we? We've heard the Easter story preached, proclaimed with trumpets and joy. But it's hard, harder than we probably want to admit to live in or from that truth. A little blood on the doorpost will save your life. I bet the Hebrews were pretty skeptical that night, skeptical and scared, as we often are, as too many of us are now. Because we don't live at the end of the story or in the promised land any more than they did on a dark night in Egypt. We live our lives in the middle of the story. And right now, in the middle of this story, our hope focuses on reaching the peak of the surge of COVID-19 cases here in New York City. That's what we hope for. Hoping even though we know it means more people will be hospitalized and more people will die. But hoping because maybe also it will be the beginning of the end of the pandemic here in this city. Maybe, like Pilate, we long to know what the truth is right now, right in the middle of things. Jesus says he's the one telling the truth, but we have grown accustomed, as accustomed as Pilate and all the people of Judea to political manipulation, to sham trials, to torture, and to the death that circumscribes so many lives in so many lands. John includes Judas and Peter almost in passing. But we, in the middle of our story, can spend days haunted by images of those who have betrayed us or those we have betrayed. That is what it is to live in the middle of the story. Even when you've heard that the story concludes with goodness and glory. But Jesus knows where we live now. So even in the middle of his own dying, Jesus begins the new community, lays the foundation for the grace that is coming so we will be ready to welcome it. He will announce that the work entrusted to him by the Father is finished, but he wants us to move towards that certainty, that promise, even now, right in the middle of death-dealing times. It's there in a vignette only John includes. The disciples, as we know, have abandoned Jesus. 
But here in John's account, one remains an unnamed but beloved disciple. So too does Mary, Jesus' mother, a detail every parent who has ever loved a child knows rings true. She could not possibly let him die alone. They, like multitudes, are watching their world and their hopes and their own stories being crucified. They are both there, the unnamed disciple and Mary, side by side, each heart splintered in their own pain, and yet not together until they are. Not together until Jesus says, Woman, here is your son. Not together until Jesus says to the disciple, Here is your mother. As Joanna Siebert, a wise preacher, has said, As principalities and powers believe they are tearing the family apart, Jesus is quietly putting it back together, putting the family, the human family, back together, not through blood ties or the links of clan or shared history. No, a human family met together by grief over what we do to one another and forged by love that will not let us go. God's grief over what we do and God's unshakable love led Jesus to choose the cross so that grief might end and love abound. And he wants us to know it need not wait until Easter. Even in the middle of the story, even in the middle of a pandemic, we are being put back together, set to rights. The first exodus began with the blood on the doorposts so that death would pass over an enslaved people. There's no Last Supper in John's Gospel because the blood we need is Jesus' own. Behold, the Lamb of God. Blood on the doorposts, blood on the cross. He calls us, connects us from that cross. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone may, might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for your tender mercy's sake. Amen. Amen.